Hi, this is Carl and Esther with Science Please Blog. Uh, today we're going to discuss uh, a series of results that have been reported in the media recently about giving the blood of the young to the old to cure Alzheimer's. Um, this very fantastical result, very modern day Bram Stoker. Okay, so in the in the science paper, uh, so far as I understand what they did, was they looked for systemic effects of young blood in old mice by using this technique, heterogonic biobiosis, where you stitch a younger mouse to an older mouse by the belly so you can link their circulatory systems. So as far as I understand, they did see some systemic differences, so in like vasculature and, uh, and neurogenesis perhaps. Um, but when it came down to actually isolating a specific growth factor, um, they weren't able to find a particular effect that, that very strongly categorized uh, the, the effect of the young blood on the old mice. So then, as I understand it, they, they went on uh, and they, they looked at, they, they found a set of growth factors that they would plausibly expect to be behind this. Um, and then they found differences. Anyway, so they found, they found differences in GDF11 between um, old mice that had, had, had been linked to young mice and old mice that had been linked to old mice. They found higher concentrations or something like this um, uh, in, the, in the old mice that had been hetero, heterochronically, parabiotically linked uh, to the young mice. And so they use this to suggest that this particular growth factor may be responsible for this rejuvenation effect. Uh-huh. Have they found uh, such differences in the brain? So, as far as I know, they didn't really look. So they didn't look, but they administered GDF11. Uh-huh. Um, they injected this in the brain because the GDF11 is too big to cross the broad-brain barrier. So they couldn't have possibly found that effect in, in the brain because it's, this molecule doesn't pass the blood-brain barrier. It's too large. So what they did is that they injected the brain of old and young mice in order to see if this has an effect. Okay. And they indeed found an effect. But uh, not to be too skeptical about this, uh, growth factors work as a chocolate sprinkle in the in vitro experiments. Because whenever you apply, whenever you put uh, the growth factor in an in vitro experiment, it's just going to upgrade everything. It just um, get what you want with the growth factor. So, so it's like having a terrible cupcake and covering it in Nutella. Like it's going to make it better, but yeah. it won't actually change the underlying cupcake. Yeah. Cupcake will still be stale. No, I think what, what was wonderful about this paper is that they could actually show that um, the circulation of the mice um, is, became better just by this very strange method of stitching together the mice belly. 
and they also find like an upgraded neurogenesis. If I think about it, there must be something carried by the blood um, that can upgrade your neurogenesis in, in the place, in an area of the brain that's responsible for the memory formation. Okay, but so, but so then let me ask you then about this. They, they, they claim that they isolated a particular protein, this GDF11, mm-hmm. but we know that it doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier because mm-hmm. it's too large. So then, like, is it likely that there's something in the blood specifically that causes this effect? Or is it just like a, like a global systemic effect of you having know, lots I of think, interacting factors? I, I mean, think this is a wonderful finding in a wonderful paper and that the authors claim that it's a systemic effect. Uh, and it's wonderful, I think, because aging is a systemic process. So by saying that I just circulate young blood uh, through the old organism and I will find a systemic effect which can have rejuvenation, um, I, I'm, I can buy this because probably everything gets a little bit better. So if everything gets a little bit better, then what we can actually see in terms of like an in vitro experiment is going to be significantly different Okay. to if we just stitch together the same age pairs. So I think, I think I'm definitely buying this. This is my question. Then where are we getting all the behavioral information? Where's the studies on Alzheimer's? I mean, I mean where's the, I, at the <coughs> moment, I find it difficult to see an immediate link between this paper and all the claims about sort of vampiric cures for Alzheimer's. So it's, it's, it has long been established that the hippocampus is the place for memory formation, especially for context, contextual memory. So if you want to see um, elevated response, uh, then you look in the hippocampus first. Also, this is a very well-established uh, structure, so we know a lot about the anatomy and we know a lot about the physiology of this structure. And... Um, Last but not least, uh, this structure is highly affected by neurodegenerative uh, disorders, such as Alzheimer's disease. Um, So there was uh, another paper, one month after the science paper came out, that uh, tried to show behavioral uh, effects of this method. And uh, they were actually, I think, used a bit more translational approach because they didn't stitch the mice together. It can be kind of hard to implement in people. You can't, you can't stitch a <laughs> baby can't. to an old yeah, person no, for five you weeks. You can't really, you yeah. can't really <laughs> I, do I, that. Ethics might take a while on that one. So they just did like um, a general broad transfusion. Mm-hmm. And by that, they only take the steroom. So they have um, a smaller pool of factors to take in consideration. They can also just destroy the serum by freezing it okay. um, so that they can see that actually the blood had an effect. They also did this uh, oh. control experiment in their okay. paper. And then they did like the classic, beautiful, wonderful neuroscience paper structure. They did uh, a genetic analysis what to look for in the actually aged and young um, mice. Okay. Am I right in saying that? Okay, yeah, so then they have a plausible place to start. Yeah, so they found something called crab. Okay. So this is also like a general factor. In this is brain. a general, like, ener- en- like, energetic basis, right? Yeah. So then what they, what they did um, 
is they investigate it if they see changes with the analyzed uh, gen genetic products or proteins in the parabionts. Okay. So they just took the the brains of the old and young uh, mice and so if they have like a, an immunohistochemistry difference. So basically they counted the cells expressing those factors or they just counted the concentration of those factors and Ooh. they saw a difference. Okay. So then they went on and wanted to see structural changes of the hippocampus. Okay. So they found an, an extended uh, dendritic arborization uh, in the so hippocampus. So in, in lay perspective, this is just having more branches on your neuron, on, on, on your neurons, right? This is having like a, like a thicker network in your neurons. Hmm. Yeah, so basically you have more possibilities um, to make a synapse. Okay. I would put it that way. Okay. And synapses are good, especially good. in hippocampus. And then, so this is just the anatomy. So this, if you if you take the brain, this is uh, just like the hardware of your computer. So they saw that the hardware became fancier. It like had like okay. a more upgraded RAM, an upgrade. Memory. Yeah, e exactly. Um, and then they went on and they turned switched on the computer to see if it's actually performing better. So they they chose a mechanism called long term potentiation, um, which is, is characteristic memory and learning. Yeah, and this is enough for us now uh, about this. And they saw that the, the in the stitch together or in this experiment, sorry, the, the mice were not stitched together, yeah. but in the trans transfused uh, old mice. Uh, they saw that the level of the LTP, which is basically a physiological response, the baseline of it was uh, kept for a longer time. So okay. this is a correlate of long-term memory um, function. And um, so they have an elevated baseline and uh, it was lasting longer. So that's beautiful. We know that the, our computer is performing better. So actually, if we give the computer a task, such yeah. as uh, a contextual fear conditioning in our case, we shall see a difference too, right? And they did. So they, they used uh, three or four different uh, cognitive tasks for the mice, okay. um, mostly related to hippocampal function, like contextual memory. Those kind of ta uh, tasks when you go out uh, in the car park and you're looking for your car, but you're parking every time in a different slot, but you have to find your car every time, every day, even if it, the slot is changing where mm. you parked uh, it yesterday, these kind of uh, tasks. Okay, and, and, the, and the mice performed better when yes. they had had this transfusion of So the old, old parabions performed better. Okay. Exactly. Taken together, this is also a very nice paper. So for me, a few questions still lingering one of which, can we really implement this in human patients? Okay. Uh, or can we develop drugs? This is, uh, the second one is particularly important because uh, most of this paper only could find a systemic effect. And um, that means that probably like loads of factors are responsible for the rejuvenation itself. We cannot point mm. out a single one. Okay, but, but, so, but so surely then to, to look at this systemic effect, we also need to know, like, I mean, the hippocampus is a, it's a, it's a large part of the brain. It's complex in itself. What about the area that they looked at? Is that 
So yes, so that's that would be my last point. So the the media claim that it could uh, heal Alzheimer's. So the authors actually saw a very very nice effect, a selective effect. Now in when in, in neuroscience we see an, a selective effect, we can be sure that something worked in our experiment. Mm -hmm. So they saw basically a huge effect in the the part of the hippocampus called dentate gyrus, uh -huh. but not the CA1. Now, unfortunately, in Alzheimer's disease, dentate gyrus is the last one to fall. So the last one to be touched by the disease. Um, so this, it's definitely not a reason to believe that we should pursue this as a therapeutic approach. Mm. Not that they don't because they already started the clinical yeah. trials on Alzheimer's patients, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, but surely it's a, it's a plausible start for where to look. If there, yeah. sh if there should be a, a reasonable effect on people with Alzheimer's, it's unfortunate that it's in an area that's not directly related to Alzheimer's uh, disease progression, but, but it's certainly an interesting finding. But it's just the question, if we know more about this method compared to the medieval times when they used this, this technique already. Because for me, just to bring this to clinical trials is just like to use this method blindly. We don't know what factors will help or not. We just don't care. So do you think that it's, it's irresponsible to sort of almost, almost leap before you look? Sort of to say, well, we found this wonderfully robust effect. So we, we're just going to move ahead because Alzheimer's is such a crippling disease, almost this devil-may-care attitude. I would say it's a less smart approach, but it's a can't-hurt approach. Yeah. Like, we, it, can, it can't hurt to try. Like, transfusing uh, blood is such a common procedure yeah. that it didn't uh, require ethical approval. Ap approval. So they can just go ahead and try. For example, uh, a parallel... Um, therapeutic method, deep brain stimulation, we don't really know how it works on Parkinson's disease. We're still doing it because it just works. There's a premise for seeing this. So we just have to have to wait and see what the clinical trials say. Yeah. And then we can and then we can know whether we should rewrite Bram Stoker. Exactly. Thank you.